We are. We're doing things a little bit different. We're having uh, what we're calling midterms. We're, we realize we're midway through the season, so we wanted to do a a quick recap on just what's been happening so far. And also, there's just been a lot of interesting happenings in the world, in the world of Boy Meets World. I don't know. There's just a lot to talk about that we couldn't really squeeze into uh, a very specific episode. So. Exactly. That was my whole thing. It's like... Um... Boy Meets World had a real, like a lot of announcements the last few weeks. Um, for all you Boy Meets World fans, I'm sure you saw a lot of it. So we wanted to discuss some of that. And then also, uh, just being black in America also has had a few updates. So, hundred <laughs> percent, this has been like a very interesting summer. Like, especially doing this podcast, it's like, oh, are you a Boy Meets World fan? Do we have news for you? Oh, are you black in America? Have we got some news for you? <laughs> or are you just a person just trying to make it through? Because we have some news for that. Too. <laughs> yeah, we got we got news for everybody. Everybody get some news. Um, but yeah, yeah, we just figured we'd just have kind of a, a an informal chat about some things. Do where do you want to start? Because there's so well, many- yeah. Let's let's just do a quick recap of the season so far. I just want to get your thoughts on what you think of season two thus far. I think that season two is really, it's different from season one. Um, We're starting to do more of what I am familiar with and what I thought about um, Boy Meets World. But also, uh, I've been talking to people about the podcast and we were talking about how um, so many people are like, oh yeah, I learned so much from Boy Meets World. It's such a good show. So many great life lessons. I was like, yeah, not now. (laughs) <laughs> like right now, we're dealing with a lot of fuckboy shit. Like we're dealing with yeah. a lot of bad, bad lessons. <laughs> it seems as though like they're getting the formula down for how to tell stories with these lessons, and it it seems like the lessons that are being taught, however, are kind of a second thought. Yes, I agree. Um, because I I will say that like the way that they've established the show in this season versus the first season. And like, I feel that um, there's just there's a bigger world now to Corey. Like, it's 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 outside of just that sixth grade classroom that we were in all the time in the first season. Yep. Um, he's interacting with new people. He's having new experiences, but he's learning things from these people that sometimes aren't great. And um, I don't know. I definitely feel like the influence of high school and trying to be like cool to other kids is making him act kind of douchey at points. Him and Sean both. Um, great episode. There have been some fantastic episodes this season, but overall, like you said, I think I'm also surprised at how, um, just how the lessons don't age well. Exactly. Like some of the, like the last episode we had, that was like, wow. (laughs) That episode was batshit. Like, I I, really don't know where we're going forward, but I was just like, wow. We're comparing women to me, and no one's like saying like, "Hey, that's a bad thing for you to do, Corey and Sean." Corey and Sean never have a, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't do this." It's just a, "Hey, yeah. you're my bro." Yeah, you're at the end bro. of it, remember it was like, "Yeah, oh, at least we respect each other." <laughs> yeah, I can. You can respect another man, just not a woman. That's that's crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that has been an interesting thing. Although, um. I have to say that I am loving some of our new characters that we've had this season. Mr. Oh, yeah. Turner, 
the Harley's crew, everything like that. I'm loving all of our new characters. Harley, of course, uh, and the kind of crew. They're some of our favorites. You know how I feel about Mr. Turner. Um, and then looking ahead, I was also like, oh, yeah, we get some more fun characters. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested to see where the season goes in terms of the world that we're building. Now, at the end of season one, we had a final recap in which we voted our favorite character from season one to be Minkus. Yes. How much are you missing Minkus midway through season two? Um, You know, I miss Topanga more, if we're being honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like she's a regular, but she's not a regular. Exactly. I was like, when have we actually seen Topanga? We've gotten like maybe two or three um episodes with Topanga and like I think only two of them used her well you you know what's funny you brought this up um in a previous podcast about your theory about the opening credits and yep. how that reflects who's important to Corey's real life I think from from a show's perspective I think that Boy Meets World just genuinely didn't know which characters, like, where they wanted to focus the show. If they wanted to focus it more on school, if they wanted to focus more on home, there was a lot of new in characters being introduced. The reason why I don't think we get that formal opening scene is because I don't think they knew who they wanted to be the central cast of the show yet. And I think that's the reason why, like, this season's kind of, like, the intro is kind of a blip. But next season, you'll notice, like, it's it's so much more on the school. And, like, from the remaining, how the show plays out, it's all focused on school versus the first season, which was very much home-based. Exactly. So I think I think that's where the transition is also kind of seeing, is that the creators are just like, we don't know, maybe the, the characters that, the kids at school will be a bigger deal than the parents at home. We don't know yet. Um, and no. I think we definitely see that with Topanga, like her influence in season three and four is so much bigger than seasons one and two. So again, looking ahead, I, I did just look and I was like, Oh, season three. I think season three is where it's like, I'll like, yes, this is the boy meets world that I know. Um, Dude, seasons three, four, and five are the bread and butter of the show. Specifically, season four. You know how I feel about season four, but to me, exactly. like this is the best the show gets. Is seasons three, four, and five. And so I know that, like, even though there's some bullshit that we're seeing in these, uh, you know, first two seasons, there were some episodes we didn't really care for. Some episodes we outright hated. Some episodes we didn't agree with. I know there's, you know, a light around the corner with season three coming up. And even honestly, the end of season two has some great episodes no i believe that and again i'm not saying that like what we've gotten so far hasn't been fun I, I think it's been fun and if anything it's one of those things where i'm learning with time that like every one of your faves has a problem problematic moment you know it's just like 100 <laughs> there are problematic moments in anything that you used to love especially if it was from the 90s and you just got to measure it on like how problematic they were being. It's like, a, it's not if they were bad. It was like, Oh no, you were, you were definitely saying some bad stuff, but like how bad was it relative to everything else we got going on? And I think for the most part, this show is it's teaching lessons that you're like, I kind of wish we weren't teaching, but it's not the worst thing. Or in some cases, like it's not any different than what we're telling anything else that. on television. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, do you have a character you wish you could control alt delete from the season so far? Um, control alt delete from the season. Uh, I'm just gonna say I I'm not really 
I don't have any harm or malice towards this person, but I feel that you're right that Morgan could be gone now. And it really I was gonna make say no like difference. <laughs> no, like they could have just totally Judy Winslowed her and it would have been fine. Like I I feel like it's more of like uh we don't know what to do with her and because Eric and Corey are so close in age, like yeah. we see Eric at school with Corey interacting with his friends. Yeah. I mean, even in season one, Morgan was just kind of like this like girl that they were babysitting all the time. And like Eric would like bring his girlfriends home. They would meet her, but they're not going home as much anymore. Exactly. They're going to Chubbies. They're going to other places. So, I mean, like the drive-in, you know, there are all these new locations that we never went to in the first season. So I think she's just becoming less and less relevant. And I, I mean, even when they bring her back, I don't really remember her being super... I think it's weird because I'm trying to think right now if there's any other TV show that kind of has a formula like this or like has done a similar thing. And what I'm saying is you're right. Boy Meets World, like in the first season, it's very family heavy. And then and it's very family heavy and Mr. Feeney, you know, like those are the two people who we're kind of talking about. And we've talked about this before. And then he gets older and now we're in middle school slash high school and things are kind of all over the place. Um, It's like uh, because I I was like, you know what? Get rid of Alan. And I was like, um, like, well, no, I'm kill Alan off. (laughs) Well, not just kill Alan off, because, of course, we get great scenes with the family later. But I was saying that, like, I'm thinking about it now. When a show, I want more. I want to learn more about uh, Sean and Sean's family life and what he's going through. We got a little bit even about like the kind of crew and like what's going on with them. I feel like if this was a modern day show, uh, it would have been like a Degrassi type situation where like we're learning. I would say that we're lines. we're gonna get there. We will get there. It's just we haven't got there yet, but we will get there, especially with Sean and some of the other characters. We definitely will dive into their families more and more. And I think Sean has a huge um, uh, emotional arc in season three with because that's when his parents disappear. So that's when we really start getting into what all that is doing to him and his character. But to your previous point of just like, I don't know of another show that's done this. I will say that like the first season of Saved by the Bell is from the teacher's perspective. Yeah, but that's what what I mean is like in the first season of Saved by the Bell, that is true, but they immediately switch and they know their formula and they That's right. Season two starts and they keep that they had that formula locked and loaded. That's what I'm saying. Moment to like to transition and it seems like Boy Meets World is having this year of transition. But yeah, they just seem to have known it right away. And even um you know, when you look at like Family Matters, which was really supposed to be about the Winslows and then kind of shifted gears towards just being about Urkel and um, uh, even Fresh Prince initially when it started was supposed to be more about the family and ended up just being more and more just about Will and, and Carlton for the most part. So especially um, towards the later years. Yeah. And I, I think that is there is that's just that transition of just like, well, let's put this on the air and how are the audience reacting to it and what changes do we need to make and what characters are working, what characters aren't working. Um, but the thing that I'm saying is even when you like even when you have a show that changes its focus and it changes its stars it still for the most part has a a dynamic or a rhythm to it or a way of storytelling that you said that we will get with boy meets world in season three what i'm talking about is 
I feel that we are watching them work this out on television uh, that you don't get to see more so in different series. Well, you know what? I actually think that's kind of a beautiful thing about television pre-internet. Yes. And that's, and, and that's, and that's that networks gave a show time to find its voice and find its audience. So we were able, like if I were working at, abc now when the show is on i feel like it would get canceled like season two and we would have missed out on the greatness that was to come after that and i like feel like girl networks, meets world did yeah networks especially are real quick to cancel a show that doesn't immediately connect but some of my greatest shows like when you think about parks and rec that first season was not good and so it it, it takes it takes a while i think for some shows to really build their voice and their audience and their relationship with their audience um and I feel like the 90s was far more forgiving of that kind of thing than we see nowadays. Uh, actually, not only what I really love is I just thought about um, a show that does it. Remember how I was like, I can't think of a show like that, like f- finds like takes this time to find its footing this way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seinfeld. Seinfeld does just oh, that. Oh, hundred percent. The first like few seasons of Seinfeld, like I would exactly. say, the first two. Yeah, yeah. The first few seasons of Seinfeld, like I think the first episodes or something, like Elaine's not even in it. Um, and then they kind of expand the world and they expand what they're doing. And I so, started watching Seinfeld on Hulu and I started it like mid season three. <laughs> yeah, that's like the best way to do that. It really is, honestly. It, you can't, you have to start. There's like a specific episode that you need to start with and then that's it. Yeah, I think it was like the Chinese restaurant episode. Might be yes. Uh, that's such a good season. one, too. But I think that was one of the first ones. And then like the, the one where they lose their car was an episode in the parking garage. Yes. I uh, yeah, you're right. Some like, of those early classic episodes. And to me, the the bet is my favorite Seinfeld episode. Yeah, well, so the bet is the <laughs> or one. Or the contest. That, I'm sorry. The yeah, contest. The contest is the one that put it on the map, honestly. The con the contest is the one where everyone the next day was talking about. Oh my god, did you see this show? Yeah, um, and it's still it's still really good, and it's still relevant to like any friend group now. You know, it's just like I think it's well. Really- I watched their um. Not that there's anything wrong with that episode recently, just to see how well that aged. And how does that age, didn't age too bad? Yeah, no, no. Honestly, I love that episode. I mean, yeah. I still again to this day with anything. It doesn't just have to be about sexuality. If I'm talking about someone's like. Uh, well, this is sexuality, but like if we're talking it's about like some the vernacular not or anything, I'm like, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, oh, all I was going to say is that the Chinese episode, I think, is where fans of the show realize its pivot. And it first started having the discussion that it was about nothing. Yeah, nothing and everything. Like, it was at that episode where it's like, damn, we've all been at that point where we've been waiting way too wrong, long for reservations. And that that relatableness of it, I think, is what started to, to really come through. Guys, welcome to the new Seinfeld podcast <laughs> that we're doing. <laughs> well, but I mean, like, a really quick side note. Did you ever hear, um, did I ever discuss with you what Seinfeld's really about? No. All right, so I was speaking to someone earlier, and they were talking to me about how Seinfeld's not a show about nothing. It's a show about manners, American manners, uh, and how we deal in social situations. So it called well, it's definitely it, social commentary, but yeah, I never really thought about. Yeah, like, no, it's American a show manners. about American manners and how we like that whole thing of like in America, you're supposed to wait 
quietly uh, for your reservation. You're supposed to tip. You know, there's like all these things that you're yeah. supposed to do as an American to be part of our social structure. And all of these people don't agree with it. And they are always challenging those expectations of what it means to be polite in America. And yeah. that's what the show's really about. Wow. Yeah, I love it. All right, so back to Boy Meets World. Um, uh, they had a reunion recently. They did. Oh, my God. That like I'm sure anyone who's a fan of the show saw the photo by now. It's fantastic. That was such a good moment. I what, one of the things that I'm immediately angry about is that I had no idea this reunion was happening. We Likewise, follow their, their their social media. They never mentioned it that they were doing it. Um, so I don't know how people heard about it to sign up for it, but damn, was I jealous? Yeah, I was, like, I was really really upset. I had no idea that this was going to go on. Like if we had known, if this was like a <laughs> Comic Con type of thing, we would have went to Chicago. For I probably it. definitely would have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. Just to see like people taking a picture, and that's the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like you know, fucking Matt Lawrence and Second Morgan and <laughs> no, it was like the like, the OG core cast. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Corey, Topanga, and Eric. People have pictures with them. Those are my family. I grew up with those kids, and I don't have a picture with them. You yeah. understand? Like, it's I'm angry about it. It's really, really crazy um, to see because um, they all just look... It's weird to, like, see people who are not family but that you grew up with as a family and, like, they're all bonding and together. It's, like, I don't know. It's adorable. I love it. It's like when a group from high school gets together but you're not invited. Yeah, exactly. You're not in their group. (laughs) Like, I understand. I understand we're not really that close, but, like... I'm really happy that you're there. You know, it's like you're happy that their friendship has maintained. And it just looks like they're they were having a lot of fun with it. Like exactly. it seems like they were just enjoying it. And they, I think even um Danielle Fisher uh Fischl? Fischl, Fischl, Danielle Fischl, um she posted on her Instagram that, you know, like, hey, we should probably do this more. Yeah. So hopefully we get more of this uh this kind of uh meet and greet situation. Cause I would again love to to meet them and just to thank them for just like what they've done. And I'm sure they get that so often, but I don't yeah. know what else to say, but to just thank you for just like teaching me through you. So Which I know they're actors on the set. They have no, yeah. you know, well, uh, my whole thing is I'm a six foot four black man. So like when I like approach these small little people, yes. uh, I'm sure it's way more intimidating, but nonetheless, you're just like, yeah, but I'm so happy. And then also, um, I don't understand how it has happened and it probably hasn't happened yet because I'm not ready for it to happen. I don't know how to compose myself, but uh, Ben Savage lives in my area. Like every time he checks into something on Instagram, I'm like, you're literally around the corner. We live in the same sphere and I just don't know what I would do if I ran into you. I just don't. So, (laughs) and here's the thing though, is like, um, I was actually surprised when I was looking at um, the hashtags of all the people that met them that there were actually some people of color there. And I didn't think that that would be the case, but um, I think it's actually their appeal is far more diverse than we might give them credit for based on just who they cast in the show. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now that um, everyone I speak to, uh, not everyone I speak to, but like a lot of people I speak to who more and more I've been telling about the podcast, the people of color, they're all like, I 
loved Boy Meets World. And I honestly don't know what this show did differently that made children of color gravitate towards it. Gravitate towards it before Angela got on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it was just like this. It's like, hey, we're going to tell stories from kids' perspectives. But, like, I, I, you know, when you think about it, like, this show is all about, like, what Corey comes up with like the teachers aren't steering him in any one direction his parents are just like do what you think is best like he's the 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 agency and and the the decisions are made solely by the children and i don't know that there's another show that gave kids that much power and decision making um to make their choices and to learn from their choices um and i think that's something that honesty uh and that taking kids problems seriously um, was something that we related to because this was before we had Dawson's Creek. This was before we had like eighth grade. This is before we had like those those like uh, mature dissections of youth. Um, yeah. I think all we had up to this point was like John Hughes and Wonder Years. So I think it was just nice just to have something that felt genuine to our growing up experience. That I don't. I think it kind of transcended race and the scene. It, I I mean, obviously, we're two black people doing this podcast, so we can agree with that. And I I, I think it's more common than we might realize. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I I honestly don't have an answer. And maybe. Uh, we can ask guys if you know write us in yeah absolutely for those of you who uh also checked in about the boy meets world reunion uh buzzfeed had this article about the inconsistencies from boy meets world that the cast themselves discussed and it brings up one of our favorite topics which i really really enjoyed uh, first of all like while they were doing this q a at the wizard world chicago comic con uh, which is where the reunion happened. Um, they Why the brought... hell did it happen in Chicago? Is I don't ben know. Ben from Chicago? I think, I think Ben's from Chicago. It's been from Chicago? I thought, honestly, it looks like, I don't know. By the way, if you do know, please let us know, because we did no research on this other than to complain that we weren't there. <laughs> but yeah, I think the savages in general are from Chicago. Like, Oh, ben that's a good point. But also it looks like Will Friedle had like, his own booth or something there. Well, Will Friedle's done so many geeky Comic Con y kind of stuff. That's that what I'm saying. Like, do I don't know yeah. if it was like, like Ben was like, oh, I'm going home and I'll be there and let's see if we can make this happen. Or if like Will Friedle was going to be there anyway. And well, Will Friedle was, I think, there with Christy Carlson Romano, right? <laughs> For Kim Possible? Oh, yeah. Man, there's just so much good stuff going on. Oh man! All right. Anyways, yeah, they did the they did the inconsistencies. Yeah, but they did the inconsistencies, and it started off with uh, someone reminding um, the cast about the discussion that Will and Danielle had about whether or not the Matthews yard that we always see is on the side of their house or is it the back of their house, um, and. Like, it's just, it's like, no one can really agree on the architecture or the floor plan of the uh, Matthews house. And I just, like, I thought it was a really good conversation because I never thought of it until, like, just now. But we've kind of even brought it up. Like, I remember when Grandma came and she, like, we heard her honk from, like, and then she entered through the back door. You're like, wait, where where did you park? What's going on here? Okay, so I've actually been thinking about this question in a lot of detail, <laughs> and I have come to the a conclusion that 
we are seeing the side of their house that Feeney lives next to them that the driveway that they're looking at is at the front of the house and they're looking towards the the road and that's where the driveway is and then behind them is the garage with the basketball court that we see later on all right i mean that that's my that's my opinion that's will fordell's opinion as well um but it's really it's crazy because it's always called the backyard or it's always seen as the backyard um especially like feeny living like it's just weird, you know. Like I, that, the who spends that much time on the side of their house, even Feeny. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It, it is one of those things that I don't think we'll ever get a straight answer because even the cast can't agree with it. Especially like they brought up a few other things as well. Um, well, they brought up the fact that like you know you have the two Morgans. Um, Danielle Fischel brought, brings up the fact that she had four moms. Sorry, four fathers and three moms. And that their names Different kept names. changing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that they noticed it too, that it wasn't just us. And I wonder if it's one of those things that they noticed in the moment or if it's one of those things that like in retrospect they realized. Because I, I would imagine that like, like you know your character, like like Topanga, like Danielle played Topanga for years, so she yeah. knew where her parents' names were. So that day on when they were doing the the read through, did she not chime in and be like, "Hey, that's not what my parents' names are"? I feel like I feel like it's all in retrospect because I feel that you and I talk very uh, sorry. We talk a lot about how um, you know we've grown nostalgic way more than we were like originally in the 90s and i feel that what happened was as we've grown like as fandom has grown like we've paid way more attention to details than like in the 90s when like you would just get a script and you would read it you know what i mean i i guess so. i just feel like as an actor like i would know my character's history i would know my character's family and like just one day at a table read just to be like hey that wasn't the name they had last time. Or didn't I have a sister? Like just one of those things to just kind of throw out to the writing room, just to be like, Hey guys, did you ever have any thoughts on what happened to the sister? Or. I mean, cause I, like, I, no, they do bring up the fact they bring up the fact that Nebula was there and then disappeared. And uh, that Sean had siblings that disappeared. Yeah, they like, they literally there in the quote, uh, it's like, I had, this is uh writer strong who uh, plays Sean. It was like, I had sisters that disappeared. I had one brother who disappeared. And then Matt Lawrence was like another brother. So like when Matthew Lawrence shows up, uh, they just kept, they go, they just kept casting brothers and sisters like willy nilly. Yeah. And I think the the goal eventually with that was to kind of like uh, flesh those characters out to, um, you know, have families of their own. I just don't think it, it, it ever really caught on. Um but, I mean, obviously Matt Lawrence stuck around for a while, so I think maybe it was just a timing thing. Like, we had to meet Sean and understand Sean first before we could kind of move on to siblings. Yeah, no, I mean, I think in reality, I just think that in the 90s, they weren't as meticulous. Because this was all pre-Arrested Development, where, like, uh, continuity became a huge thing. Like, you couldn't say something in one episode that didn't add up later because we are now a generation that is used to jokes that build upon yeah. themselves and we pay attention. So like, if you say they live, uh, if like we're the generation where it's like, 
Well, we know where the, we found out where the Simpsons lived because they said that uh, they were looking out the window during this time of day and they saw the moon and you can only see the moon at 7 p.m. from this angle. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, that's who we are. Uh, I think and, I think a lot of it has to do with binge culture as well. Like when yeah. you're binging a show, you're picking up on things, you're staying with stories. In the 90s, there was no like, there wasn't even this thought of, hey, we're going to put this on DVD one day. It was, I'm going to air this and then it's going to run in syndication out of order. Exactly. So I think that was kind of the thought of just like, well, whatever works for this episode. Because exactly. It's run they would be like, who anyway. cares? And now you're right with binge culture. If you say that um, Topanga likes oranges, and then in four episodes, Topanga goes, I can't, I'm allergic to oranges. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We will pause. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, we've done several rant. times <laughs> on the show. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, wish I could have been there. Wish I could have asked them. If you were there, what question would you ask them? Like, uh, if you were in that public forum and you could honestly, ask them one question. Honestly, this is why I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I ran into Ben Savage because – I don't know if I would have asked any like I'm like right now you're asking me what I would do I would I just need time because like <laughs> I was like it was like especially like seeing Ben Savage and Ryder Strong or Daniel Fishell or uh, Wilfred L at any point in time separately I would be overwhelmed so to have all four of them be in the exact same spot and then being like oh you can ask them a question I just I would gush. For like the longest time, and then like apologize. <laughs> I think I would ask them what their favorite episodes were. Like oh, that's a good one. That's always a good one to be like, "Hey, what's your favorite episode?" Because I feel like their memories, like they they have memories of it the way we have memories of like I don't know if you did like high school theater, but like when I think back to like high school theater, yeah, I remember the show kind of, but I mostly remember like the shit that happened backstage and like things like that. So uh, from so that's what I would have said. I would have talked way more about like. Um, you said what their favorite episode is, but I was like, what's some behind the scenes stories? Sure. That, like you guys really have been holding on to. Yeah, that, that would be a good one too, just to figure that out. Just, oh man, I wish I could just be a fly on the wall while the show was going on the entire time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's, I think that they did honestly, and I think I would also ask them, I mean, like, I don't know if they are allowed to say anything about it, but, like, why Girl Meets World didn't go. Because as we were talking about it, Girl Meets World was also finding its footing, but they were starting to do really well uh, in terms of um, getting back to that Boy Meets World formula and hitting on really, really adult or relevant uh, to children topics. And can, can I Can I give you my thoughts on this? Yeah, go for it. It's the audience. When you put it on Disney Channel, it's a different audience. When you have, like, the, the audience that Modern Family is marketing towards is completely different than the audience that Girl Meets World was marketing towards. But they should have been marketing towards the same family audience. Put, and it, that's, put it on Freeform. Freeform is literally somewhere where you can develop these characters, where you have an audience that's willing to be patient, that an audience that's going to appreciate that development. That's exactly Kids what they did with Blackish. Yeah, Blackish is on free. Uh, not Blackish, Grownish. Grownish yeah. is on Freeform, and it allows them to do children centric topics that are a little more mature. That are a little bit more mature. And what's even crazy is um, I always talk about my best friends. 
girlfriend's daughter, uh, I asked her the other day, I was like, hey, do you watch Boy Meets World? She's like, yeah. And I was like, did you like it? She's like, not really. I liked, she goes, I liked the um, spinoff way more. Uh, and she's 14. So, like, sure. she she liked it. It was relevant to her. Um, yeah. And I think that they were really on to something. And I just feel like it was canceled too early. But I mean, and I also, maybe I could be wrong with this. I felt like, and again, I've only seen a few episodes of Girl Meets World, and I, I don't want to speculate. Yeah. But it's a vibe that I got was that the chemistry between the cast on the new show with the kids wasn't as strong as the chemistry in the original show. And that's just that was just a vibe I got. I would that, say, like, that was the case maybe with, like, the love interest. But, like, the friend thing, they had the friend thing down. Um, like there's two sets of friends that will actually really did seem to work and, um, their minkus stayed with them when they went to high school school. and like, they even kind of did something with that. But again, it made sense. And I thought like, I don't know. I feel like the chemistry was there and I even feel like they brought Danielle like the Corey and Topanga characters in properly when they needed to. Yeah. Um, and they were doing like some kind of weird stuff with like uh Sean and you get you get kind of like what happens with did Sean. Did Sean get married? Sean did get married. Um but so so I mean like <laughs> we're we're kind of getting all over the place and it is what it is. But like yeah, so Sean gets married in the uh spin-off Gromit's World. But that is one where I'm like, okay, they did seem to like shoehorn that in. Like they like Knew they only had a limited amount of time. They're like, we want to make sure we tell this story and conclude it. And it wasn't that it didn't make sense. It's just that it was definitely rushed for time. So. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> but we did get to see Angela again, and that was awesome. Yeah, see, I always thought, I guess I always kind of wanted them to end up together. And uh, I Don and Angela? Yeah, and I felt like, like if they were going to do that, if they were going to bring them back, they sh- like, I... That's what I would want to see. Like, I don't really Actually, care about Sean being this new person. I mean, I know that you're... I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong in the sense that, like, Sean and this new person does it. But the way that they do Angela's return is... By the way, spoilers ahead, because I'm just going to say it. But uh, the way that they do Angela's return is really good. Um, she It's very realistic. She comes back in their life, and she's married now... And she's just like, no, Sean was really important to me. And she kind of gives insight into who Sean was and why he was important to her, but also why they didn't work out. Um, and it helped Sean grow. It's one of those things where an ex comes back into your life and you're not necessarily going to get back with them because you're not who you were. But they sure. do have insight into who you were then uh, and how it may affect you now. And I thought that was a really a mature way to deal with it in this kid's show. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Too bad. Yeah. C'est la vie. Anyways, <laughs> um, uh, you have some non-Boy Meets World things you wanted to do. Oh my God, about. just so much has gone on. Okay, so um, give me one second. There's so many things that we need to do. First of all, Aretha, Aretha Franklin's funeral. Our home going, as they called it. Did you hear about that? Okay, so I 
I have to say, I've been kind of detached. I've been picking up on things here and there. I saw um, the performance that Jennifer Hudson gave of, was it Amazing Grace? Yeah. Um, but I didn't hear it. Like, I know there was like some drama that I didn't really hear. There was about. a bunch of drama. All right. So first of all, um, there was the fact that the guy who gave the eulogy literally went on like for 45 minutes, um, made it about everything else besides Aretha Franklin. Um, he make it about, um, he basically turned into like, uh, Black people don't really care for themselves, and that's why we're not doing better. Um, men need to be in the homes. A single woman can't raise um, children. Like, she can't raise oh, wow. men. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, yeah, exactly. Really taking advantage of this platform. <laughs> exactly. And everyone's like, uh, Aretha Franklin was a single mother. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, wow, Why would you do this at someone's funeral who's literally the exact opposite of what you're talking about? Um, so there was that, and then there was the fact that a different preacher groped Ariana Grande. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not funny at all. It's not but, funny. like absolutely. It's terrible. not funny at all. But the fact that like a preacher would do that at an Aretha Franklin funeral, Jesus, like on on well, being televised. <laughs> is there any kind of like? self-awareness at all with these men like I, that's what makes me chuckle is just the severe lack of self-awareness like are you kidding me bruh yeah men are men and men uh and it's terrible and i'm really what i like more than anything are what's interesting is they show that clip very often and you can see her look at her him like what the fuck are you doing right now but she's also like i'm not gonna make a scene because this is a funeral and this isn't about me right now but it's really funny because at the exact same time that um, he's literally groping her, he's also insulting her. Like, he says, like, oh, my daughter was like, Ariana Grande is coming. And I was like, what's that? Like, uh, order at Starbucks or something? And, you know, it's like he's insulting her and groping her. And she's just, like, has this look of confusion on her face. But also, I need to be dignified. And it's... It's really uncomfortable to watch, but it's also like what we were talking about earlier. It's amazing in the sense of like women having to be proper while men are blatantly being inappropriate. <laughs> because it would be rude. Yeah. Like at that point, like it's it's on them to be like, do I want to be as rude as this person to exactly. make this into a thing? How versus can you imagine how crazy that is? I mean, like, I do wild. know that there's plenty of times like as black men where we have to do the same thing where it's like a, okay, you were clearly just inappropriate and or racist right now, and I have to bite the bullet because me responding would be inappropriate. Uh, and I would be the target or the victim going forward. But if I were at a funeral and someone that came up to me and just like just full on grabbed my dick <laughs> and 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 like insulted me at the same time, I I you know what I don't know what I would do. You know what? Now that I put myself in that scenario, now that I've painted that picture, I truly don't know what I would Honestly, do. I can tell you, you would do exactly what Terry Crews did, which is that like again as a black person and as a black man and oh, you're right this was like a great segue i just want to talk about terry cruz and his whole thing real quick because you know about that whole story right you know what happened yeah 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 and so what people don't understand as someone who is this tall black and gay i've actually had the exact same thing happen to me where like someone will touch me who 
I'm like, wait a minute. Like, your mind is just confused about what's going on. I think people really underestimate shock because what people assume that they would do is like, you know, you saw it coming. You understand what it was inappropriate. And, you know, it's just like, oh, you have the freedom and the agency. But what people forget is sometimes these things will happen in a situation where your mind just can't compute that someone would be so bold as to do so. And so it takes your mind a few seconds to literally put everything in line. You're like, and then to then at that point you have like decision making comes in. Exactly. Well, not only that, but like at that point in time, sometimes it just takes a moment. You're like, oh wait, so did did someone just grab me inappropriately? You know, did that really happen? Did it happen in public where other people can see it? Did it happen in public to me? <laughs> did yeah. it happen in public to me where other people can see it, where I can't really do anything? And then you know all of the social things kind of flood in. And by that time, a few seconds have gone by and your reaction, no matter how it would be, would just be in delay. Like, you know, it would look weird because it's so much time has passed since the actual incident has happened. So you like literally may have to chase this person down to react. You know what I mean? And so, like, as someone who's seen that happen, I just think about the fact that this woman got insulted and groped on national television in front of everyone. And, you know, again, like, her mind just had to be like, are you you kidding me right now? (laughs) Like, you're just literally trying to rationalize what's going on. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, the kind of person who would do that is the kind of person who would know that this would be so much of a shock that you wouldn't be able to give away. That's another thing. I know for a fact that a lot of people who do that, they do it because it's kind of like a what are you going to do? Yeah. Are you going to be the person who calls me out in a room full of people? Are you yeah, going to make this inappropriate? Are yeah. you going to be the one who makes this weird and turns it into a thing? Because I'm not even... I'm not going to do this in a situation where you would be able to react even positively to it. I'm going to exactly. do it in a situation where you can't react at all to it. Exactly. Ugh. They do it in a way that it's like in order for you, your response, no matter how, like your response, anything other than to let it slide would make you look like the weird one. Cause they did it in a way that was just such a sleight of hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like no one else saw it happen. And because, as we've talked about numerous times uh, in America, it has to be so blatant <laughs> and direct for Americans to be like, oh, yeah, that definitely he definitely had it coming. Sure, sure. But if they didn't see it with like footage and an announcement, they're just like, are you blowing this out of proportion? <laughs> um, yeah. She's not having a great week. Yeah, um, that now we can talk about Mac Miller, but keep going. Yeah, so Mac Miller overdosed, and apparently there's an, a group online that's saying that the reason why is because of Ariana Grande. Because yeah. she didn't nurse him and take care of his mental health. She went and got engaged to Pete Davidson. She, you know, like, I, I just, this notion that she should have stuck with him and took care of him in order for him to not make this choice. Exactly. And I want to make it very clear. Uh, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck any expectations that you are required to stay with someone who, by the way, has proven themselves to be damaging. Uh, yeah. And you need to take, you're only responsible for yourself. 
that is you are only responsible for yourself and especially when it comes to mental health and i'm sure she did everything that she could and even if she didn't that like that's not not her her responsibility yeah not at all um he has an entire network he has an entire group of friends family industry individuals um who has known him longer has way more access to him um that is not on her she is not his savior and she has the right to do everything even if she like um fucked pete davidson in front of him that would be messed up but she has no requirements to make sure that he didn't kill himself afterwards yeah yeah it's crazy and it happened so recently obviously there's like details that we don't know yet not that it it like I can't imagine that any details would come to light that would really kind of change the picture that's being painted now. But um, yeah, yeah. It's a really, I, mean, I, I have to be honest. I'm, I've never been a huge Mac Miller fan, but I can appreciate someone who kind of, you know, found fame virally and was able to kind of promote themselves that way. And, and, and um, just a, a self-made, I can, I can respect that. Yeah, no, I actually, uh, I got to see him at Coachella uh two years ago and i really liked i liked seeing him and i thought it was um a great show i I kind of feel bad like i do with anyone who especially when they're a celebrity who overdoses and dies you know it's like it's it's always a tragedy in my mind when life is lost especially when yeah. that young um but also i'm at an age right now where i do understand that a our system does not treat mental illness the way that it should so he is a victim just as much as anyone else um, and it's really sad and we need to do better but then also that you can't you can't save everyone you just can't like like the weight of having and trying to save everyone or like trying to do everything and make everyone happy is just it's not on one person do what you can in your space and I hope that other people are doing what they can in their space. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I, kind of like a weird transition, but nonetheless, like, um, just on this whole trying to make everyone happy and uh, this whole Nike protest thing and how our system is. You, you didn't burn your Nikes, bro? Oh, no. No, I did not burn my Nikes. You did not take the, the shoes you paid $100 for and set them on fire? That was the dumbest thing you could do. Like, like absolutely ridiculous. Yo, man, Nikes are great. <laughs> well, I'm not going like, to lie. I'm not going to lie. That's a shoe. Nikes are great. Like, why are you fronting? I'm an Adidas person. Like, I'm looking right now at all my shoes. I have more Adidas than I do Nike. Anything. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I, they feel better to me. Uh, I mean, I'm I not... have the classic shell tops. Obviously, I go old school. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I look, I've looked at Nike's come out with a lot of really great shoes. But, like, to me, the idea of protesting Nike, like, everyone brings out. There's just so many things going on where it's just like, all right, so you're going to protest Nike now. But when we all found out about their sweatshop labor, that was cool. Um, and then, or like, when like black guys were getting shot by cops. Oh yeah, or, not or if you want to go back to the original OG <laughs> problem, when like, black yeah. guys were getting shot by cops, you're like, oh, that's fine. And, you know that happens. It's like, we're not going to protest that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll like burning shoes is such a a more violent expression than taking a knee. Yes. Also, so like you're protesting a protest in a worse way than the original protest. Also, I do have to say that, or two things that happened. One, I don't know if you watch Seth Meyers, but he has a uh, correspondent named Amber Riley, 
Oh yeah, yeah. She really, I really loved it. What she did, she kind of like flipped the script on them. She was like, uh, "White people who are burning your Nikes, now's not the time. You're doing it wrong. You're protesting incorrectly. If you want to do that, the internet's not a place um, to be, <laughs> you know." And just yeah. kind of use the whole argument uh, that they used against uh, Colin Kaepernick. And then also, someone else pointed out, and I love this. They were like, um, "Colin Kaepernick has not taken a knee publicly." Uh, at the NFL in the last two years. He's only been fighting social injustice. It seemed to me like there was just a lot of white boy fuckery happening. <laughs> white boy fuckery, I like it. No, I mean, like, honestly, that's that's pretty much what we're dealing with here. It's the amount of racism in everything that we're dealing with is just so much. I mean, like, you have... Um, the don't monkey this up situation don't monkey this up bruh that was like seriously here's the thing i kid you not i don't know if you saw the whole clip but i was telling someone when i watched the whole clip because i like to watch things in context when i watched the clip um the guy said he's so articulate and from that moment on i was like oh i know where we're going with this. he's so well spoken yeah. he speaks so well he's so well spoken the moment he said that i was like oh we're getting nothing but fuckery going forward and then he was how like, else would he speak bro? yeah exactly and then <laughs> he said don't monkey this up and i was like i like i like i got both angry and sad and like it was just so many emotions yo because whatever it's just man like, oh, you guys florida really right don't now care. i know yeah. that's real life i'm not yeah. even surprised by it anymore <laughs> yeah you are in florida right now <laughs> like that's i'm not surprised by it at all but which by the way okay so kind of a detour but pretty much exactly what we're talking about especially with florida um i told you recently that i ran into a uh old classmate and then also uh, uh this guy who like went to school in miami and we were talking and i said something incorrectly and he was he called me out on it and i was like uh, i went to school in florida i don't expect to know things and <laughs> he goes dude i use that as an excuse all the time like whenever people <laughs> call me out i was like i have a florida education i don't know what you want from me <laughs> yeah yeah i did the best real, that i could with what i got real low on the education standards i think we pay our teachers uh one of the the least salaries like the, the smallest salaries of teachers in the country so oh, god, that, we're getting what we pay for guys that's so terrible oh god also there's like ooze in our everglades right now i don't know if you saw that no like, i there's, didn't there's pollution in our everglades that are literally turning like um these like oceanside homes like their lagoons outside their homes to like a green like ninja turtle ooze i don't understand why the epa only re reduced half of their regulations over the past uh, few years. So. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I know we're running low on time, so before we go, I just, with all of just, like, this blatant racism, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this white-on-white -white crime that's happening in hip-hop right now. <laughs> it is just... I'm loving every minute of it. All right, you <laughs> it's go. It's like a boxing match where I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> You're just happy to see it happen? I'm just happy to see a fight. <laughs> Keep going. Tell me, tell me more. All right, so obviously um, Eminem dropped a dope album, Kamikaze, out of nowhere um, that called out uh, G-Eazy and uh, that called out... Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, who I have to say I didn't really even ever heard of before this. Um, and the Machine Gun Kelly had a response record, but it's so... 
I don't know. I'm a true hip hop head, and yeah. I'm a true lover of rap, and I understand the complexity that Eminem puts into a, a, a lyric. Like he he really is Shakespeare the way he's able to use double, triple, quadruple entendres and make it all rhyme and make sense and tell a story. And there's not many people who can do what he does better. Like he is he is as smart with his writing as like Lin Manuel Miranda is with with Hamilton. Like there's so much complexity behind it that yeah. rappers put into their thoughts. So for 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 Machine Gun Kelly to just kind of say like, "Hey man, you're old," it, it, it didn't, a, yeah, it didn't really. Yeah, because you have to understand, it's like hip hop is like um, it's like if you were to have two like drummers like going back and forth, and like someone was just able to do a sick beat, like a sick beat wouldn't compare to like a trained jazz drummer. Yeah, you know, so I I think that's why I just kind of I'm looking forward to this response that Eminem is working on because I know it's like going to just be everything that I love about hip hop like even like I know there's a lot of like doesn't age well parts of the Biggie and Tupac story yeah. um, but their they're, they're rap beefs I mean hit them up I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the song it's it's one of the greatest <laughs> rap beef songs of all time no vaseline by ice cube like this is what hip-hop was built on and it's just it's interesting when you have like mgk just being like hey man don't be a bully when eminem's like no that's not really what it's about it's about just you know si you know calling out skill and what is skill and who's who's the dopest on the mic like that's what hip-hop's always been and i don't know i i, I hip-hop can be other things than who is the baddest of them all but i that is true to the root of it um, no i don't know you actually i if i'm not mistaken early on like didn't like mcs and showdowns wasn't it like all like that's what rap battles were that's all they were they were like yo my dj is the best my dj is the best yo i'm an mc and i'm the best no i'm the exactly best. like everyone was just kind of challenging going? each other i mean like and don't get me wrong uh, Biggie and Tupac clearly got it, took it to a more violent state than it had been before. But it's yeah. like it's always been about calling someone out and you proving your worth uh, on lyrically. You know, like that's what rap battle really is. It's just like, all right, you saying all this other stuff, and I can call you out and I can say everything I can about you. But what really matters is how you deliver, not even necessarily what we're talking about. It's like how do you deliver what you're talking about. And we've yeah, had a lot of those lately. It's kind of like um, uh, there was a, a video that uh, a song that Justin Bieber put out on his Christmas album a few years ago with Boys to Men. That is and not it, where I thought this was going <laughs> at all, but continue. <laughs> but it's like when you hear Boys to Men sing and then you hear Justin Bieber sing and you're like, oh, okay, so that's what good and good singing is, and that's what extraordinary singing is. Yeah. That's that's what we're what what hip hop is kind of doing right now, and that's what I think Eminem's trying to, to prove. He's not trying to say that new hip hop is all bad. He even says like, "Hey, Lil Yachty, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not for me." But he is saying that there is a level of skill and talent that's being you know pushed aside that that we need to hang on to. And yes, we can experiment with new sounds, but let's not you know lose what's artistic about this art form. You know who's um, above all of it. Childish Gambino. Dude, that feels like <laughs> summer. Like, he's just walking past it, man. Yes, that's the whole thing I was around him. Everyone was talking about, they're like, notice that what he's basically saying is everything's going on, all this is happening, good and bad, but I'm, like, I'm not part of it. Like, I'm just, this is... 
I'm like, I'm other shit. Yeah, I'm in the same neighborhood. I'm in like I am. I'm part of the community. I'm part of this world, but yeah. I'm not interacting, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not going along with a lot of what other people are doing. I love that video from beginning to end. Oh, it's really, really good. And that was just like another day that I was. Childish Gambino has been knocking it out of the park. Dude, this dude, I can't, like, I just can't wait for him to create. Yeah. Like, that's, I'm just, I've been such a stan of his since, like, um, like, since Community and, like, since his first record came out. And, like, I saw him on his very first tour that he did. And he's, I've just been a huge fan of his for so long that whenever I see him just escalating his art form and getting more and more recognition, I'm just, I'm just rooting for him the entire way. Because well, that's black excellence. What I really like is I saw a video the other day that, um, I really enjoyed, which talked about how Childish Gambino is the perfect example of our generation's ability to be a jack-of-all-trades. Yes, like, I think I saw something similar to that, too. Like, the previous generations, like, they were all, like, you have to pick something that you're going to do, and you will stick A job you're going to be at forever, and exactly. work at the same company forever. And, and that's not- just not how the world works anymore, so... You like you really can be whatever you want to be at any point in time in your life. And our generation, we're not like, oh, this person's a baker. This person's usually like a baker and a social media influencer and a mom and you know, like Yeah, we all have a dozen titles. Exactly. (laughs) But it's so funny because so often like people want you to they want you to do just the one thing. Um, as they, they'll say, there's like this whole phrase of like, um, like, I don't know. It's like Jack of all trades, master of none or something like yeah. that. I can't think of it. And they're like, that's not true anymore. You can literally now you can become great at more than one thing. Yo, two um, of the best horror movies I saw in the last few years were made by comedians. So oh, that's a very good point. So like you really can't be anything nowadays. <laughs> What was the other? I know Get Out is one. What's the other one? Um, uh, John Krasinski. The the. What's, oh, what's it? oh yeah. Um, D- don't don't say speak or something like that. Don't, yeah, whatever it was. So a silent place. Good. A silent place. So, silent. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, speaking yeah. of which, uh, I just saw Searching. Searching. I'm not familiar. Searching. It's uh oh my god, dude, you gotta watch it. It's actually pretty good. I'm not gonna say it's fantastic, but it's pretty good. Uh, and it has a, it's a good thriller and it has a good twist and you really do go on the ride. Um, it's with John Cho. Is that how you say his name? John Cho? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him, it's, he's the first, uh, Asian American actor, um, to star, to play a lead in a harm or a thriller or something like this. Really? And it's really good. Yo, I'm um, loving it. Did you see Crazy Rich Asians? I haven't got. I haven't seen it yet, but yet. I'm going to. And uh, I don't know if you saw my post the other day, but I had this conversation about how representation. You're just seeing more and more of it, and I'm loving that. We talked about a lot of heavy stuff earlier in this, but and we even talked about Boy Meets World and how great it is. But to see all this good television that has representation in it is. It's just such a great moment because you see all of these minorities bond over the fact that they're seeing themselves. Yeah. Like, I saw what you should really check out um, to all the boys I've loved before. And Oh, yeah. I see, I've see. i seen the, uh, the, the ads for it. Dude, that is it's – a, it's a rom-com, but it's a rom-com with an Asian-American female lead. Um, I'm not really sure what uh, nationality the boy is. 
but uh our ethnicity but um it's a really good movie and it's a classic rom-com and as we've always known nothing's really different the story is still the same it's just like oh that person happens to be a person of color which lets yeah. you know that like yeah we have the same stories we have the same wants needs and all this other stuff so yeah it's really, you know what's really funny good. i if you ever get some chance on instagram to explore the crazy rich asians hashtag yo people in shanghai are living it up right now like there is a whole like culture in china that i'm just completely unfamiliar with that looks a lot like vegas than it does anything <laughs> i've seen and what i've interpreted it, uh of what i thought china was in my head so i just i think it's just a great big world out there and it's exposing me and a bunch of other people to different parts of societies that we just didn't realize were out there are you like saying that. that the bros are meeting the world Thing right now <laughs> bam guys we did it <laughs> Full thanks, thanks for listening guys we're done that's a wrap that's a wrap for the podcast <laughs> okay so uh that, i mean honestly that just feels like a good place to close you have sure sure yeah anything else yeah uh no i mean i i know we were just kind of bullshitting this week but we just had some things we wanted to talk about and uh review but we're gonna be back next week um i have actually seen the episode and i'm excited to talk to you about it um I yeah. have not seen the episode yet, so you get no reaction from me. But that's fair. That's fair. That said, uh, I am excited to keep going on this journey. I do want to do a special shout out uh, to everyone who has been talking to me about the podcast. A lot of people have been like, oh, I've checked it out. I really like it. I listen to you at work and all this other stuff. So thank you to the friends who've been doing that. I also want to call out the people. We've been getting a lot of. Um, interaction on our instagram and on twitter so keep doing that i really really appreciate it and um finally we also had uh a couple of shout outs that we made have been shouted out back at us and that's just a fantastic feeling like yeah uh, i mentioned the bechdel cast and i tagged them and then they uh favorited our tweet and then retweeted it and i was like oh my god i'm so fancy <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm super pumped for the rest of the season. I'm super pumped to uh, continue on the journey of Voyage Run along with you. And uh, yeah, let's 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 hopefully get some more mature storytelling this next half of the season. Yeah, right. Let's 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 hope for it. Okay, so uh, to kind of close this out, thank you guys for listening to Brummy's World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating. We really appreciate that. Keep reaching out to us on the social media platforms at Bro Meets World or email us at bromeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tonafi? You can find me at A Braver Me on Instagram. You can also find me on Twitter at Anna Kendrick Retweets at Anna Kendrick RT, uh, where I will be retweeting Anna Kendrick's tweets for all of you. She's got um, a movie coming out with Blake Lively, just saying. Not super interested based on the trailer. But, we'll <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. So it's just Anna Kendrick retweets, not necessarily Anna Kendrick stand. <laughs> no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with my personal feelings towards Anna Kendrick, which are not negative at all. Um, but not overly positive either. I just, <laughs> I just thought it would be funny about a year and a half ago, and I haven't stopped doing it. All right, so. you know what? Keep doing you. And you know what else <laughs> I want you to keep doing? What's that, Siege? I want you to remember to dream, try. I can do that. I can and, do that. And, and do some good, bro. Yo, damn, 
Damn Skippy, bro. Damn Skippy. <laughs> Later, bros. Later, bro.